0: Hi, welcome back to At the Crossing, where we discuss the intersection between borders and identity. The following collection of episodes will be dedicated to the civilization of Nubia. In this episode, we will be discussing the history of Egyptian and Nubian foreign relations. There will be betrayal, war, and conquest. Centuries of power struggle have cemented the rivalry between the two strongest empires of ancient Africa. Let's dive in. After extensively reading Gary J. Shaw's book titled War and Trade with the Pharaohs, an archaeological study of ancient Egypt's foreign relations, I've created a Sparknotes version of Egypt's foreign affairs, specifically looking at the interaction between ancient Egypt and Nubia. The book actually starts as early as 10,000 BCE. However, between the periods of 10,000 BCE and 2,500 BCE, there wasn't a lot happening. There was no concept of Egypt, no concept of Nubia, and no borders. There were only nomadic tribes that clustered and lived together, and in doing so, they developed a distinct culture with each other, and as different groups began to interact with each other, trade sparked, and ideas and goods began to travel and be adopted, from this, the culture and identity of Nubia was created. However, it was divided into two groups. Scholars referred to the two groups during this time as being the A group and the C group. The A group were known as the traders between Egypt and Nubia, who had lived in Upper Nubia. These were Nubians who had the most interaction with Egyptians. As for the C group, they were known as the producers in South Nubia who had access to a lot of raw materials. Relations between Egyptians and Nubians during this time were very friendly. Produce would be made in Southern Nubia by the C group and passed on to the A group to be traded in Egypt where Egyptians would bring their goods as well. That was until Egypt established its monarchy in the early dynastic period. During this time, we see that they begin to adopt a more aggressive attitude towards its neighbors. This attitude wasn't directed only towards Nubians, it was experienced pretty much all around. The king's goals were to leave a legacy of power for Egypt by conquesting neighbors and, quote, cutting out the middleman. For Nubia, This meant the A group got hit the hardest because they were the middlemen between Egypt and the C group. During this time, we see that the A group experienced frequent violent raids by Egyptian military, which ended all friendly relations between Nubia and Egypt. We also see during this time that the A group moved further south to create a physical distance between them and Egypt. Fast forward to about 2265 BCE, during the Old Kingdom period in ancient Egypt, King Pepi of the Fourth Dynasty conducts regicide and leads military campaigns against Nubians. He brought around 7,000 Nubians to Egypt as servants to, quote, Egyptianize them. 15 years later, in 2250 BCE, climate crisis hits. This leads to huge droughts that made limited resources even more limited in Eastern Africa, which gave a sense of urgency for people to rely on each other and motivated them to mend hostile relationships out of necessity. Interestingly enough, during this time, The C group and Egypt were getting closer in relations, while the A group and the Thebans were getting closer. Later, when the Thebans took over northern Egypt, the A group helped them as archers, which is what gave Nubia their name as the land of the bow, since they were widely known as skillful archers in the region. As for the C group, they supplied weapons to both the Egyptian and Theban side of this battle. Around 2100 BCE, during the 11th dynasty, King Montohotep initiates a unification project to bring Nubia and Egypt together, starting with the Sea group since relations were better with them. Later in the 12th dynasty, once everything was stable, Egypt began to take interest in their neighbors again. Egypt saw Nubia as a place to dominate, occupy, and exploit. They believed that Nubian land was an extension of Egyptian territory. This time, the C group was hit the hardest, as Egypt used excessive violence to ensure obedience, which sent a clear message, submit to Egypt or die. During this time, we also see the rise of Kerma, which is a group that came from the A group. This group was very successful and was a cultural melting pot for Nubians, Egyptians, and other neighboring tribes. By the 13th dynasty, domestic disputes in Egypt weakened its role, which led to the withdrawal of their efforts to conquest Nubia. During the 14th dynasty, King Nehesi ruled over Egypt. What's interesting is that his name could be translated to the Nubian king. It is unclear whether he was of Nubian descent, chose that name, or society gave that name to him because of his darker skin complexion. But scholars have stated that it wouldn't be too surprising if King Nehesi was from Nubian descent. Kerma continued its trajectory of becoming a powerful empire, and in Egypt, they were known as the Kingdom of Kush. At one point, they were Egypt's biggest enemy. By the 18th dynasty, King Thutmose I invaded Kush and hanged the King of Kerma in front of his ship and sailed along the Nile as a sign of his victory of domination. After Thutmose I died, the sons of the late king of Kerma revolted against Egyptian powers. When King Thutmose II took the throne, he responded with a military project to kill all Nubian men except one prince just to make a statement and assert the dominance that his father had. He also placed a heavier emphasis on Egyptianizing Nubia because he saw Nubians as an extension of Egypt. This led to a long period of Egyptian occupation in Nubia, where they built temples and colossal statues in honor of the pharaohs. It is speculated that Panahesi, a son of the late king of Kerma, sparked a civil war to unify Egypt and Nubia when Egypt was experiencing a declining economy, weak royal control, and turmoil at Thebes. Around 750 BCE, we see a line of black pharaohs in Egypt during the 25th dynasty. These Nubian kings ruled for nearly a century. First was King Kashta, who expanded Kushite influences all the way to Thebes. Eventually, Thebes fell. Kashta proclaimed himself the king of Upper and Lower Egypt. Next was King Pai. He had a strong sense of supremacy in which he believed he was better than all other kings, and led military campaigns against the fallen Thebes in hopes of expanding. Pi then passed his crown down to his son, Bakkenreneth, who continued the expansionist policies. Nubian rule ended when Assyrians took over and pushed them out of Egypt. During this time, Egypt went through a period of having to fight for its independence from multiple occupiers, and the Kingdom of Kush expanded rapidly under King Harsiyoteph. A lot of time passed, the ancient Greeks came and went, the Romans came and went, powerful Nubian kings and queens rose to power. Despite all of this, Egyptian and the Kingdom of Kush always had a rivalry with one another. Eventually, Nubia was united with the Ottoman Egypt in 1504. As stated in blackhistorymonth.org, quote, the influx of Arabs and Nubians to Egypt and Sudan had contributed to the suppression of the Nubian identity following the collapse of the last Nubian kingdom around 1504. And that is where my research ended with the trace of the Nubian civilization. I hope this provides historical context that makes future episodes a little bit more digestible. Thank you for listening. Catch you next time.